Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So we have got a big podcast episode today. I've just released a video on my YouTube channel talking about what TaylorMade are going to do next. How can they possibly beat or better the performance of their M5 and M6 driver by their own accounts? They were the fastest driver faces they can possibly make. They even went as far as making the driver faces illegal before inserting resin to bring it back right on the limit set by the RNA and the USGA. So we're going to be covering that topic today in, in the podcast. If you are new around here, welcome to the podcast. Uh, this is episode number five. Uh, it's a platform where we talk about golf, we talk about golf news, we talk about um, new things that are coming up in the YouTube landscape, but also in, let's say, maybe tour life, certainly a very equipment heavy podcast. So if you like all that sort of stuff, make sure you subscribe and get tuned in. Um, and hopefully you've come over from the new YouTube video I've just released. I'm joined here with producer Guy, who's on the podcast every week. Hello, Rick. I am very excited for this podcast. I think ever since we spoke to TaylorMade back in January of this year, and they gave us this talk that the M5 and the M6 were actually illegal and then filled with resin to bring them back to just on the edge, I knew they were going to have a tough 2020. But one thing I want to do before we get into this topic is I just want to read a quick line to you off the TaylorMade website, okay? Every M5 driver head has been individually calibrated to reach a threshold of the maximum legal limit of ball speed. So whether you're fighting for your club championship or battling it out on your weekend four ball, you'll be playing with a driver that's engineered to make everybody faster. Wow. That's a bold statement. That came from TaylorMade website. Yeah. And we, when we spoke to TaylorMade, let's say, guys said at the start of the year, they were really pushing this idea that they have reached a limit. They cannot make a driver face any faster. So we got us thinking, as we're now starting to see new product for 2020, and little caveat, we've not seen the product yet for TaylorMade for 2020 yet. I'm sure it'll be coming soon. What can they possibly do to make you, the listener, better at golf what can they possibly do to make you hit the ball further what can they possibly do to make you want to upgrade your driver to the latest guesses on names and i think that's why it's is it oh. going to be m7 m8 
I want to come on to names in a moment, but I think this is why it's a perfect time to do this podcast. As you just touched on, then we haven't seen it yet. So literally everything that we are saying now, we are making up, we are guessing. And it's going to be really interesting to look back at this or listen back maybe in um, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks and see how many things you've actually got right or how many things we've got wrong. Naming wise, I'm going to go out on a limb and say M7, M8. I just, I just, I think it's time to to get rid of those names. I would be... uh, Again, I'd probably be wrong on this, but it wouldn't surprise me if they went for a different franchise this time. Something like, uh, uh, I can't even think of one off the top of my head. I'm sure it'll be quite simple still. Uh, I know other brands, which we can't talk about yet, have actually changed brand names. So it'll be interesting to see if TaylorMade does the same. Now, just to give you a heads up, if you are new in a round about what equipment looks like, typically launch-wise, TaylorMade, for the last four or five years, have typically shown off their new drivers at the start of January. Now, we've got a rough date in mind when it's going to probably be. It's probably normally like to be the first week of January. That's where you'll see my full review on YouTube uh, testing the M7 or M8 or whatever it's going to be called to make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. But like I say, we've not got the product yet and we are nearing the end of November. And it's just so fascinating. As I covered a few points in the latest YouTube video I've just released, if they are claiming that the M5 and M6 is as fast as it could possibly go, how are they ever going to sell a story or spin a story about speed? Because let's be honest, they've got Twistface. That came out in the M3 and M4, yeah. continued the M5 and M6. Twistface, and again, when that came out, if you remember, Guy, two years ago, or three, or four, no, three, no, two, years, two years ago, they said Twistface is going to be in every single driver TaylorMade produces for the foreseeable yeah. future. So I'm fully expecting Twistface to still be in the latest TaylorMade driver. I'm fully expecting the, the speed ports to be in the new driver face. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. So therefore, if they can't touch the face, where are they going to touch next? There's a massive story, and I think we're going to see a lot more of this moving into 2020, about aerodynamics and how they can make the club head speed faster, how they can make you as a golfer, let's say you typically swing at 100 miles per hour, which is just above average swing speed for a driver, how can they possibly squeeze out an extra one, two, three miles per hour out of your performance, which then turns into ball speed, which then turns into distance? Yeah, and I think I think the big thing to note here, and I think we've been pretty clear um, on the video and hopefully we'll be in this podcast, is we're not saying that distances, they've hit a peak in terms of distance because if you can get stronger, you can get fitter, you can swing the golf club faster, you can always find more distance. But what we are saying is that in terms of the RNA and the USJ ruling, that they can't make the club face any faster. So if you swing at 100 miles an hour and hit it out the middle of the face with certain launch and certain spin, etc., then a new driver, the face can't be any faster. Yeah, exactly. So we did a little bit more digging. I kind of knew this, but we tried to simplify it in the video about the characteristic of time, the CT test. And it's a test that gets carried out on every driver that comes to market, certainly from the samples that the manufacturers give to the governing bodies. And it's a way they use a pendulum device, and it's like a steel ball or almost a steel disc, which is the same circumference as a golf ball. It hits the driver face, and inside that pendulum disc is thousands of sensors that measure the contact time between the face and that object now the speed has to be it can't be in contact for any longer than 257 milliseconds because if it is it's therefore too um too bouncy too tramp trampoline and that was a <laughs> trampoline mm-hmm. yeah it works <laughs> Tramp- you know what you mean <laughs> 
<laughs> too springy. So if the face is too springy, too trampoliney, too hot, it is then deemed illegal and it wouldn't come out to manufacturers. Therefore, you know, it would be breaking the rules. So they have to work at a tolerance. And we touched on it slightly in the video. Do we ever see or would we ever see the day where those rules change? Will there ever be a time where the the, fe- the rules are a bit more relaxed or you know, they are working in conjunction with manufacturers and brands to make better product potentially. But with all the talk about distance at the moment and almost turning back the ball, if any way I think it's going to change, it'll change the other way as opposed to being more friendly. I think there'll be a lot more strict, certainly regarding distance. The RNA and the USG have a, have a responsibility for the game of golf. They have, they are the governing bodies of golf. And there's a lot of talk about certainly tour players making a somewhat mockery of the golf courses because they are hitting it so unbelievably far and therefore should they use a different golf ball should they use a golf ball that only flies 90 percent which i i don't agree with i what i love about golf personally is that i can literally build a set that is exactly the same as um brooks kepka and play on exactly the same golf course as Brooks Kepka from the exactly the same tees as Brooks Kepka with the exact same ball. And shoot 18 more than him. And shoot, yeah, 18 <laughs> to 20 plus more shots. But I can do that. Yeah. There's nothing that's, you know, by the expense of it all, obviously, but there's nothing that's stopping me absolutely mirroring the performance characteristics or the environment that these best players in the world have to put up with in tournament play. I'm not saying it's easy to do all that, but it's possible. Yeah. It's not like that in any other sport. I was, I was just thinking that then. I mean, you could argue you could run the route of the London Marathon, but that's not that, that's a bit. But you can't go and play on Anfield, Liverpool's football ground or Old Trafford unless it's a, some, you know, I think if you actually played at Old Trafford, I think you have. Listen, I don't, as I said I don't, that. I don't want to boast. I have played football at Old Trafford, yes. Right, okay, but. well, maybe we can. But as a rule, golf that like you just touched on then, you can literally, although it's quite difficult, but you can go to St. Andrews, you can get on the old course and you can walk over the Swilkham Bridge and you can play the golf course that Tiger Woods has won a major at. And that is, that's unique to golf. Um, just a quick side note on this, this podcast, on the video as well. We're not, Picking on Taylor Made, the reason well we are the reason we're calling out Taylor Made is because they came up with such a bold statement. A lot of brands have said they've got a fast face and the fastest ever. But what was unique with this story last year or this year, should I say, is the fact that Taylor Made have claimed they actually went beyond the law. They made the driver illegal and then brought it back to the to the absolute limit. So it just seems like how on earth can they make anything faster? And that's why we're talking about Taylor Made because these had had such a bold claim and a bold story yeah exactly and and as guy touched on there it's a perfect point we actually first off thought this idea that what what a brand's going to do next what are actual all the brands going to do but none of them were as bold or as ballsy or as as marketed hype as taylor made were by making this ridiculously bold statement everyone said they get a little bit better the face is a little bit faster the ball speed is a little bit better but none of them claim to say they made their fastest face and that is at the end of so that's what's quite so interesting um yeah so i think like say sport golf is unique in the fact that we can play the same courses same situations and therefore i'm not the biggest fan of rolling back the ball or making any exceptions for the best players in the world i just don't i think that takes away a lot of the magic inside of golf so going back to that topic are the usga or the rna going to change the rules to make the ball speed faster no there's not it's not going to happen 
There might be some tweaks and changes around aerodynamics. I don't know. But they're never going to make the ball go further. I just can't see it happening. So brands have just got to be clever. And that's where they have, obviously, teams of engineers. They are cleverer than us. And a lot of the time, I almost relate it and guide us as well to like the, the, the new iPhones. You don't know you want it until they show it you. Yeah. You don't know that you wanted panoramic picturing or you didn't know you wanted a faster system or you didn't know you wanted face id or siri or you know portrait mode until they were put in a phone and you're like i need that in my life yeah and that's a little bit like golf equipment to some degree until someone produces it you don't know you want it and that's where it'll be so intriguing i think this year more than ever i'm not um I'm excited to see new products because sometimes it's been predictable what's going to come come next. Yeah. Honestly, right now, as we near the end of 2019, I do not know what's going to come next from certain brands. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I almost can't comprehend how they can, they can come up with anything new. They're going to, let's be honest. I've got some notes here of things I think they could do, not saying they will do. I think I think you touched on this in the video. I think they're going to go down this route of more club head speeds. They're going to try and make the clubs possibly more aerodynamic. Or they may, which they've done before, make the shafts longer, which I'm not a fan of, I'll be honest. But I think most drivers now are coming in at 45 and a half inches, possibly touching 46. Obviously, the, the limit within the RNA and the USJ ruling is 48 inches. So the brands have still got an extra two inches to play with there. The downside, as we know, is that the longer length shaft you go, yes, you're going to generate club head speed. That doesn't always transfer into ball speed because strikes obviously start to vary and obviously direction can start to go way off. But they could get us gaining more speed with longer shafts. By cheating. Cheating. If I'm honest, that's yeah. that's pretty much it. It's a bit like why iron lo- irons go longer these days because a 34-degree 7-iron now no longer exists. 7-irons from many of the main manufacturers are nearer to 30 and even some are sub-30 degrees. It's not the fact that they, they've they've created this phenomenal new kind of process to make irons. Well, they have to a degree. They make them look better, definitely. But a lot of the, the distance comes from the fact that they've jacked the lofts but then moved the weight as low as they possibly can to still make the ball go up in the air. I've got one for you. Just thought of. You might have to sell this to a brand, actually. Whoa, hold on, man. Let's get some copyright on this. <laughs> this is copyrighted. Guys, you heard, you heard it here first. If any brand comes out with this idea, you heard it it's here on the my Rick Shields. idea. No, you heard it on the Rick Shields <laughs> podcast, all right? Idea. Okay, so we both agree that you know making a driver 48 inches is, is kind of cheating. Well, it's not actually cheating, but it's a cheating way around it. But what if a brand came out and said, okay, our new driver, it is 48 inches, so it's two, three inches longer than our competitors, but we've engineered a technology in the in the shaft or in the in the head. Let's call it um, like the Odyssey Stroke Lab where they've taken some weight away, etc. So our 48-inch shaft gains you more club head speed, but we've actually been able to keep the club as stable and as accurate as a 45-inch driver. So we're giving you three inches more length so you can get more speed, but we can guarantee you're not going to then lose that in direction. You can actually gain more ball speed off the back of it. If anybody's tuning into this podcast late, then you might you might <laughs> interpret that whole line as very different. You suddenly listen to this podcast at work and your boss walks in, you go, and they're talking about uh, like lengths of shafts. I mean, um, ball speed. I mean, I mean, drivers, drivers, golf, golf clubs. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think like I say they'll always come up with something new, something different. I'm excited to see it, and I, and that's probably not a bad idea to try and make something that's longer. It's going to get you more speed, but then tame it back to some degree to make it manageable. Because I tested, was it this year or end of last year? A drive we made it 50 inches yeah. long, and it doesn't sound like a lot. It's only four, five inches longer than standard, but it was ridiculously harder to swing. You had to really be so on the ball to make decent contact. Now, in fairness to it, when you made decent contact, there was distance gains, yes, but not significantly, ridiculously 15 yards. And that brings us back on to another point we put in the t- in the video. I think what's been more challenging now for brands is they can't lie about any of this anymore. Yeah. Go back to, the, to early 2000s where brands were talking, and probably even nearer to 2010, where brands were talking about, you're going to buy this driver and you're going to hit it 15, 20, 30, 50 yards longer. doesn't matter what the distance was. Because back then, it was harder to manage, harder to measure. You wouldn't be able to go to a golf shop and say, oh, can I try that new X driver because it's promising to hit it 10, 15 yards further. Because launch monitors weren't as popular. Because advice wasn't as popular. And it, a lot of the time... You might have had a driver that's five years old, and when you got fitted for that driver, or when you bought that driver, should I say, you weren't fitted. Suddenly, you move into a fitted driver that has evolved a little bit, and yeah, you gain distance. That's going away these days, because a lot of people that use drivers now have been fitted from it when they first bought it. So you'd like to think that Optimize was already um, perfected at that point of sale when they first bought that driver. And five years down the line, when they go to buy the new driver, or ten years down the line, things haven't changed as much because you were, you're already optimized. Yeah, that, that's true. Um, you know, you, there's nowhere for brands to hide now. But one thing I've just thought of that I want to ask you. So we we know that most golf brands, not always, but most golf brands, certainly with driver, the name changes year on year. So you know, Callaway went rogue. Um, then Epic Flash, before that it was Rogue, you know, um, TaylorMade of an M5, before that it was M3. And, you know, there's always these new these new names or new numbers, etc. Now, as, as consumers and golfers, when we see a driver with a whole new name, it's like you touched on, you don't want, to, well, you didn't think next year would be M7 or M8, let's just call it um, TaylorMade, Tour, whatever. We almost expect that that driver is going to perform much better than previous years got a new name it's all shiny what happened what would happen if brands this approach more similar to those of car manufacturers or, or camera brands were they had a tailor-made m1 let's call it the next year it was the mark 2 the next year it was the mark 3 the mark 4 so for example i've got a vw golf car i don't know what mark it is mark 7 possibly if they've been out for 20 30 years let's say so then when the new one comes out, you don't expect it to have loads of all singing and dancing. You quite respect if it's got a slight tweak. So if this year it was coming out and it was the tailor-made M1 and M2 Mark IV, would brands have it easier because they don't have to invent all these stupid names and stupid claims? People would just respect it as being the new M1. They'd also gain that little bit more traction in the industry because people would be easy to navigate. You'd know what brand is what. The downside is people may get less excited and maybe less keen to upgrade from a Mark One because they've still got an M1. What do you think on that? I think Ping tried to do that yeah. a couple of years ago. They, they dropped the number, if you remember, when they brought out the Ping G driver. All the communications was when that came out is that there was there'd be no longer a number. Yeah, this would be the Ping G driver, and like you said, it would be version one, version two, version three. That lasted two years, yeah. and it didn't even have a new version because it soon moved into the G400. 
and now it's the G410. So they tried it, and for whatever reason, there must have been a reason why they then went back to the number. They didn't think it worked. And I've got, uh, this is, well, it's not controversial because we know the numbers. People get excited about the BS marketing. Yeah. People people like it. And as much as they don't want to like it, they get excited because golf's bloody hard, as we all know. And any glimpse of hope that you're going to hit the ball further or hit it straight or golfers we get excited mm-hmm. now it's our job as my job as a tester to to cut through those claims and say if the truth or not truthful or whatever and i'll praise a brand if they if they uh, uh, you know accomplish such feats and i'll slag them off if they don't but i honestly think golfers get quite excited about it and going back to your point if it was just a mark two mark three whatever it may be i honestly think golfers wouldn't like it they just get uh, what well, if i'm going to counter this or something then not a driver but two products that have done it essentially done it and been really successful ap2 and pro v1 yeah although they had the they had the ap2 non-number then they had 710 712 714 716 718 if i'm correct and then last seven oh no 718 yeah, last one, it, yeah so that was i think that's six without counting again and then Pro V1, since the year 2000, has just been called Pro V1, Pro V1. I know it's not got a mark next to it, but we all know it's like the iteration of the year or whatever. They've built massive franchises. And they're really successful, but they haven't had to swap it too much. I think golf ball's different. Okay. That's the only one. I think golf ball's yeah, different. I think you're right. Because everybody has to buy golf balls throughout the season. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So so it's not it's not as much of a of an investment upfront investment mm-hmm. it's broken down into the the following year and and yeah the new ball comes out but you're not that in a rush if you had a big box of the old you'd balls use the old one. yeah you're not going to jump and if someone said to you the old balls are 10 or cheaper you'd probably buy the old balls with irons i think again it's slightly different with irons because again you don't buy irons quite as frequently i like to think probably most people have irons in the in the bag a little bit longer than the new driver just for the plain simple they're more expensive you know you for a set of ap2s That'd be interesting to know what they started price wise. Yeah. I bet they were near a four hundred pound, yeah. and now that when they when they last came out, they were near a seven or eight hundred pound, yeah. if not a grand. Yeah, grand. Um, and they've not changed a great deal. So yeah, I think I think there are certain strands. I think you've got to you've got to build that trust. And let's say it'd be interesting with TaylorMade TP five if that continues because they've seen the success from the ball that they've had. But you saw it when you used to work for Nike. When you do change brands all the time, change naming, it just doesn't work, does it? Yeah. That- Nike tried to do it pretty much every year with the golf ball, um, and it was really hard. It was even hard for staff of the brand to, to cause navigate and remember. I think you had obviously the first ball, one of the first ones, the tour accuracy. Then they had uh, the twenty XI. They've had the resin. And that's just three names of the premium ball. There is more than that, and people started to go into a pro shop, and you'd see Pro V One sat there in its gold box, Pro V One X its black and silver box. Right, I know those. And you've got Nike ball next to it. Now, even if Tiger was playing it or Rory was playing it, you, you kind of didn't know what name it was. Next year, it changed again. It was very difficult for people to trust that brand and, and want to use the ball. Taylor May did it as well. They had a Lethal. They've had the Penta. Now they're on the TP5. Looks like they're sticking with TP5. Well, they certainly have for a couple of years, which I think is really important. But I think you're right in what you said. I think golf ball, and you can build these franchises up. People, regardless of what we say, people want to see the whole new Taylor made driver and it wants to have a fancy name, and they want to go out and try, and they want it to go further. Simple as that. Yeah, it is. It is literally as simple as that. Um, so, anyway, uh, there are thoughts on it. 
um, we are excited. Certainly, I'm excited to get hold of the new tailor-made whatever it's going to be in january i'm just so intrigued to see what if you know they present the new product to us and i go well you said you couldn't make the face any faster and now you're saying it's going faster or whether just go we can't make the face any faster but we've changed x y and z and we now think you'll hit the ball further that will all be tested right on the rick shields youtube channel start january don't miss out make sure you subscribe for free make sure you like the video when it drops (laughs) and all that jazz um, and I think, I don't know if I touched it on the start of the podcast, if you are new on the podcast as well, if you come from the YouTube, like I say, making them every week, it's a, as you see, we can dive into a little bit more of an interesting story. Um, we might video on one, da- you know, one day down the line and certainly looking at getting guests on the podcast as well. But if you are enjoying it, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. And we are currently in the process of setting up a, a hotline as such, an email address for the podcast, the station for that. We'll put all that um, if we have in the link down in the description of the podcast. But the other things we're going to cover in today's episode is we released a video the other day, what's in the bag, what clubs I'm currently using, so we'll talk a little bit more about that. We also went filming with a really cool guy yesterday, Eddie Hall, World Strong Man 2017. Now, this guy's never played golf before, and I went down to meet him to see if I can help him play golf and see how fast he could basically swing the golf club. We're going to talk about um, a new concept I've got actually going out tonight, range night, which I'll talk about, and then we've got some questions as well. Um, There's one thing you forgot. I'm, I was going to let you bring that in. Well, perfect timing. So last year we started something. Last year, last week we started something where I was being quite provocative in bringing out these topics that I was trying to get you to change your mind on. So last year I said, uh, I keep saying last year, last week. Did it feel that long ago? It, it was only last week. It was actually last Friday. So many videos since then. Last week I said to you that custom fitting is overrated and I wanted to try and change your mind. We came out to the conclusion that it's not overrated, but there's some elements that possibly are a touch. This week's a big one. You don't know what I, you do not know what I've got written here. And it's quite bold. And I'm not saying I agree with it, but I just like it for the controversy. You ready? And I'm going to give you all my points first, and I'm going to drop the mic, and you've got to try and get an answer. <laughs> am I in, am I on the side of defence? I or? think you're going to defend it. Well, I hope you are. If you're not, it defeats the object at this point. But okay, I'm going to go against it. So, you ready? Drum roll, please. Pro V1 is overrated. Wow. Okay. Moment of silence. I'm going to okay. give you my points. Go for it. It's very expensive. When it was introduced in the year 2000... I think it was year 2000. It was revolutionary. There was nothing on the market like it. I think now, 20 years later, every ball from the premium brand is as good, if not potentially better. Does it actually perform any better than, let's just say, a Strix and Z-Star? Because if there's any evidence to prove that, I'm willing to be open to, to see that. I think the only reason it has done so, so well is that they've nailed the branding. Players trust it. I think a lot of players that are up and coming now who might be 25 years old or even 30 years old would have been like literally five years old when the Pro V1 was launched. They've grown up playing it. So they just it's just the go-to. It's just like brushing your teeth in the morning. You just play a Pro V1. But actually, is it any better than anything else? Again, I'm willing to be proved that it is. And... 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Yeah, tell me. So Pro V One <laughs> is overrated. Well, you kind of you. There's a lot of the points there you made were against and for the Pro V One in some in some regards. So I'm for it in as much as I understand why people perceive it as being the best. But actually, is there any evidence out there to to say that it is? That's what I'm getting to. So I I'm going to back this up with a statement from. Um, Bob Parsons. Okay. So Bob Parson, who is the owner of PXG Golf, uh, Parsons Extreme Golf, the really expensive golf brand. I was at a, a golf day with him. He was the hosting it, and he did a keynote speak. And he was talking about how he started PXG. And, you know, he actually went back a long way from when he used to be in the military and, and then um, also then uh, set up GoDaddy, the web domain, and loads of things, and set up PXG. He was a super golf fan, and he and he wanted to set up a golf company because he was spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on golf equipment. So his mate said, "Why don't you set it up? The guy's a billionaire. Why not?" Right. So he set got he set PXG up, and the objective of PXG was to dominate every single market. So from drivers to irons to wedges to putters to golf balls. Mm-hmm. There's only one of those items on that list that Bob Parson, PhD, do not make. And it's not for the want of trying. They do not make a golf ball. And the reason being, so as you know, PhD, they plow ridiculous amounts of money into research, into engineers, into testing, etc., etc. He fully attempted to smash down the Pro V1. He 
fully wanted number one golf ball in the world, the best performing golf ball in the world. So he put a lumpy sum of money down behind the research and development of a golf ball that could beat a Pro V1. Halfway through the process, he quit trying to make a PXG golf ball. And I can't remember the exact wording, but he basically said, nothing that I can do will make a golf ball better than a Pro V1. Hmm. I'm not saying I don't believe you, I just don't believe that. Okay. <laughs> I don't think any PXG product is better than anything from Callaway, Ping, TaylorMade, Titleist. I'm not, it's on par, but it's not better. And I think if he could make a golf ball that was as good, he would happily bring it out to market. So maybe, you know, maybe he's tried. But is it just the fact that as a businessman, yeah, he's got a hell of a lot of money, but he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to enter a market, he just knows that he can't break down. Possibly, but yeah, and that's I'd, his cool story behind it. Yeah, possibly. I, I I think that the the to really try and tackle the Pro V one. So let let me go back into the, that was just an interesting story. I thought I'd bring just up just as one a side note on that. Just one side note. I know it was only a story. If he'd brought a ball out that was a hundred dollars a box, that would be a perfect PXG product. That the guy always meant, oh, you only use a Pro V one. Well, I play the PXG Star. True. It's the perfect product for PXG, so I think he just hasn't been able to manufacture a ball for some reason. I don't know. But. Well, that, that's one of the advantages that Titleist has got. Titleist started off as a golf ball company. They make golf balls from the off, and they've really built all their infrastructure around the ball yeah. You know, company. They didn't make golf clubs. They made balls first. And they create, distribute everything in-house. So they own the factories. They own the processes. They own everything, every element of it. Where other manufacturers have to had to branch out to secondary um, companies, distributors, etc., um, to make their golf balls, where they make them all in house. So anyway, regarding that, this is my defence on why I think a Pro V One is. I'm going to go on performance because I, I I would possibly agree with you with price. I do think golf balls are too expensive personally because three pound fifty four pound a ball is just ridiculous. Performance wise. I think there's nothing that really matches the level of performance from tee to green with the Pro V1. I've used a TP5 for the last couple of years, and I've switched recently back to a Pro V1. For the pure simple fact, I do like, as you mentioned, I grew up playing a Pro V1, yeah. and it's kind of, it's reassuring for me. So it's a, I don't have to question a Pro V1. Where sometimes with a TP5, it's still, I don't know, in its infancy. Yeah. And, it, you know, there's a few times that you question, mm, would that ball have done that with a Pro V1 potentially? I sometimes hit, I always feel like sometimes I hit a TP5 a little bit hotter than I want to, with it, certainly with, with iron shots. And I think, would that have happened with a Pro V1? I'm not sure. So me going back to a Pro V1 is just reassurance. I'm not playing every single day. So I just like the fact that I can pick up a premium packet out my out my bag and I know it's going to perform. Yeah. The other thing I honestly, honestly believe that is unmatched from any other company is the durability. Mm-hmm. I do honestly think the durability of a Pro V1 is phenomenal um, over every other brand. You know, I've tested it numbers of times where I've hit loads of shots. Unless you really do hit a path or something, it does really test the time, uh, stand the test of time. But on that whole side, I honestly don't think it's worth £3.54 a ball. But I honestly don't think anything is really for no. that price. Uh, we did a video where we actually bought a box of uh, refurbished Pro V1s. And I've got to be honest, the performance was pretty awesome as much as Titleist would have hated that the performance was really good on the refurbished golf ball bar the cover just wasn't quite as durable as a brand new pro v1 out of the box 
but I like that. It's a good topic. Yeah, I think on just a little note on this as well. I'm, I'm obviously doing this just to pick topics that are quite controversial, so we can discuss. I, I do genuinely actually believe that Pro V1 is the best golf ball, but I think these debates are healthy. It can get people looking at things from a different angle. And you know, next time you go to the pro shop to just naturally buy your Pro V ones at forty five pound a dozen or whatever, maybe there's a Strixon Z start. You might think, you know what, I'm going to try it, and you might love it. You might save yourself some money, and you know what, that that's one of those things. Try new things, I guess. I think so. I like that. It's a good little point. Um, right. There's a we've had quite a lot of interest from sponsors for the podcast, guy. Well, it's funny you say that, actually, because I tried to get on some emails this morning. It was actually down. It crashed. We've had so many emails regarding sponsoring the, the podcast. So I'm excited to see who we've actually gone with this Well, we, we've we've actually held off, if I'm honest. Okay. We've held off for some big, big sponsorship deals for the podcast. So, you know, we, we, we're still debating. We're still, you know, crunching some numbers with a few different, you know, offers, etc. Yeah. But the one that's been there from the very start, the one that we trust and the one that we'll always go to, the Rick Shields facebook page ladies and gentlemen fifth episode in and they continue to support and hold up the foundations of the rick shield show podcast the facebook page is absolutely crushing at the moment in fact we just released a video three days ago where i played a par five of the wedge and it's just had a million views in three days who would have thought it Uh, growing at a ridiculous rate we're just over one hundred and forty thousand followers now on the rick shields page every single day you're going to be getting new videos coaching videos shorter versions of youtube videos funny videos unique opportunities very different content to what i've post on the other channels when i say me i mean rick shields facebook page so guys make sure you jump over to the rick shields facebook page make sure you hit that follow and like button and make sure you share the content around one of the big goals for anybody watching who's new to the facebook page see if you can become a top fan now a top fan is somebody who comments a lot likes everything and you get awarded a little a little uh, a little shield of um appreciation with a top fan shield and i'll tell you what you get some love from me when i see your comments i'll definitely like them and reply to as many as i can but yeah rick shields facebook page proud sponsor of the rick shields show podcast and continues to be the foundation of this whole show they are really good guys aren't they, they are you know i really like the guys over there as well there's such there's such you know they're switched on that's what i like about it um i've got a thing going on tonight and you're coming along, Guy, and quite a lot of Am other I? people are coming along. <laughs> I hope so. Um, I'm running a night called Range Night, and quite simply, it is a get-together of golfers who, you know, watch the content, watch the YouTube, watch the Facebook, etc. and they're coming down. We've managed to set up a really cool deal with Trafford Golf Centre, where I used to coach. It's £10. You get unlimited golf balls and a free drink, and you get to come and meet some familiar faces. Now, this is a limited um, offer. There's only a certain amount of spaces that... And this is amazing. So I actually been thinking about this idea for three or four weeks, set it all up. The date was locked in the diary, the 28th of November tonight. This is when we're filming the podcast. And um, I hadn't promoted it at all. You know, I was like, I better, I better do something about this. Monday this week, I put a tweet on, an Instagram post and a Facebook post. In fact, it didn't even get to Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And we needed 50 golfers to participate in this range night, a get-together, a meet-up. The tickets went, the spots went, in 18 minutes wow. and we had 300 people wanting to come to range night so the first one's tonight i'm gonna make a little cool video around it as well whether that'll be a facebook twitter instagram youtube video we'll wait and see we'll see what happens but it's gonna be a fun night loads of golf balls being hit um some familiar faces like myself um peter finch hannah davis dan whitaker um 
other YouTubers, Simon Smith, SAS Golfer, who I gave a shout out in last week's episode. Loads of YouTubers are coming down as well, so it should be really good fun. So stay tuned for um, more of those range nights. If it goes well, I'll sure to do some more in the future. I think it's a really cool little um, a cool little concept. Um, skipping back, we, t- we said we were going to talk about this. What's in the bag? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I released a What's in the Bag video this week as well, guys. Um, uh, no massive surprises. Um, if you've not seen it, um, I've changed a few key areas of my golf bag this year. Um, my irons have changed. My wedges have changed. My putter has just changed. But really, if I'm honest, just for a different color. And like I mentioned a minute ago, my golf ball has changed. So if you want to go and check that out, you can do. I think this year has been a really good year for products. Again, I do honestly, I think the companies, as much as my, maybe the, the performance of everything isn't significantly better. I just think, you know, like most things in life, things start to look better. You know what I think as well is really good for the for the viewers of the channel. Obviously, a lot of people, and I say this to you a lot, I think you sometimes underestimate it. People want to know what you play. You know, you've got access to all the clubs in the world. So what you play as an, you know, unbiased, you're unpaid, you play what you want. So it means something to people to watch, and I get that. What I think you've done really well recently is that the whole novelty of swapping clubs has kind of been and gone. So there was a spell when I first started to work with you where it was like a new driver almost every month. When I don't I get that, you know, you've got to test them as well. But now your kind of staple golf bag is really settled. And certainly like your three wood, your putter, your two iron, possibly your driver this year, you're not going to change it unless it's better. So then, you know, arguably means it's going to be less what's in the bag videos. And when we do fill them, they're going to be quite similar to previous ones. But... I think that validates the product, and if it's if it's not broke, you're not going to be looking to fix it. Yeah, no, good points. And, and like, you know, it, something really has to come out now, and, and, you know, I'm not just going to put it in because it's a, I like the colour more now. I'm going to put it in because I honestly believe it's better than what I currently have in the, ba- in the bag, and that's validation to products that I test. Um, so, yeah, I'll be excited to see in 2020 what comes out that can potentially replace anything in my bag because I am quite settled at the moment. If I'm honest, I just need to play more golf. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like this year... And we've been so busy making videos, we've been so busy, you know, creating the, the media empire that playing golf has taken a bit of a backseat. So I think we need to go out and play a little bit more yeah. golf as well. We had our little challenges last year. Uh, we didn't really video them, but um, I think playing a bit more golf is key because uh, as much as to the perception and probably a question I get asked a lot, how much golf do you actually play? Or I think I think people think I play every single day. I really don't. You know, I, I test clubs. I'll be out filming. I'll be out making YouTube videos, Facebook videos, Instagram, but actually playing golf 18 holes with a scorecard in my hand, I would honestly say I've done four times this year. And that's something I would like to, I'm not going to go for quest for the open and all that stuff because I just, I'm just not good enough at all. Not even close. And I think for me to try and document that that now is just unneeded. Um, But yeah, playing a bit more golf and actually just remembering what, playing golf is like again <laughs> it's just hard i've got three kids it's hard to you know a weekend i like my weekends off mm-hmm. and i like to just chill out so unless i get opportunity in the week but we're just busy making content so it's hard to just go and chill out and play golf sometimes yeah for sure and i think that's a bit of a different topic but that's one thing that's this this last season for me personally i haven't played as much golf as, as previous years is that it's it's long isn't it like I know you don't always yeah. have to play 18 holes, but let's just say you want to play 18 with your friends. It's at least three and a half to four hours. You've got to get to the golf course, which means only 10, 15 minutes, but you know, that's half an hour round trip. You don't ever just turn up for your tee time, especially if you're playing competitively. And, and by competitively, I just mean local club comps. You've got to get there realistically 25 to 30 minutes early to go in, pay your subs, get your scorecard, shake hands with your playing partners who you may or may not know already. 
So, you know, you easily look at the best part of five or six hours. Now, if you want to play at seven in the morning, you can be done for early afternoon. But if you want to have a bit of a lion on your Saturday, you've worked hard all week, you know, go and play at 10 o'clock, let's just say. You know, you're only looking to be done realistically by home by half four, five o'clock. It is long. And I'm interested to see, you know, going forward, what it will be other golf courses open that are shorter that are less holes what what else what other options are there for golfers i think that's something that we need to look at going forward you know what that is definitely a podcast topic yeah you know what imagine this because i i don't have enough of a diehard opinion on slow play to really valid an argument let's say what would be class if we could get a couple of people in who, who one on one side that golf is too slow mm-hmm. and they're really passionate about it and another yeah. guy that golf isn't too slow yeah. or you know man or woman who isn't too slow let's let's battle it out because yeah. i'm just so i'm just so on the fence me because again i don't play at weekends so i don't see the the really crazy rush hour traffic let's say but it's a bit like that's exactly what, if i went on the motorway now and i drove down the m6 at, at 12 o'clock on a or midnight on a tuesday night it's not gonna be busy Try and drive down at 4 p.m. Friday, 5 p.m. Friday, it's ridiculous. And that's just the difference. It depends on when you play your golf as well. I think this, like you said, this could be a full podcast in itself. I, I think, think it has to be, I definitely. Think just one more note, though, for me. It's not some, obviously, everybody hates slow play. You can't enjoy. If there's literally someone in front of you who's taking forever, that, that gets frustrating. But it's not even so much me slow play because the course could be literally empty and just me on it. It's the fact that golf in itself is quite long. And even to some extent, where well, I'm not going to start getting onto the, the argument or the discussion of dress codes or not, but I, if I'm at home relaxed, I'm probably wearing just shorts or tracksuit pants or possibly jeans. If I want to go and play golf, I've got to put on some smart trousers, get my shirt on, tuck it in, etc. Belt on, golf shoes. Even that, it's just, it sounds ridiculous because I should do it, see it as a hobby, but it's one more obstacle to make me think, you know what, I was going to the gym for an hour, I'm going to go see my mum for an hour or yeah. something, have a coffee. I can't be asked for all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. I get it. It's, it's a... I think golf has to. I don't, it has to change. I don't. I don't, I don't. But then Let's on the flip happens. side of that, and I'm totally contradicting myself now. If I go and try and play golf in non-golf in apparel, I don't feel proper. I don't feel real. No, it's weird, and it's like you don't have your glove on. You don't feel yourself. Strange. That'd be another topic for a dress, for a podcast as well. Dress code, because again, yes. I'm I'm kind of like I don't know somewhere in the middle of that as well. Yeah. Let's fire through. We're gonna, you know, we're forty odd minutes in. Let's fire through a quick fire. Q&A. Okay. Go for it. What's your favourite competition you've ever played in? Not necessarily one you've done well in. Ooh. Um, that is, sorry, I'm going to give, that's Scott Griffiths. Oh. It, my instant reaction was open qualifying when I got the hole in one, but did, that was... Did you get hole in one open qualifying? I might have done. <laughs> but if I'm honest, I only remember that one tee shot, yeah. and it was the best moment that I've ever had on a golf course because it was just electrifying. But I'll be honest, for the 16 holes before that, I wasn't particularly having a great time. <laughs> you, did, you played okay though, didn't you? I think I was like three over. I think that, yeah, it was all right. It's I think three well, would be a handicap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think, what was it now? What did I shoot? I think I shot, I think I finished three over. So I must have been five over at the time, had a hole in one and part the last. So I was nowhere near the cut line to make it through. But that moment in time <clears throat> was the best. Yeah. Um, regarding that, probably... I have probably more fonder memories when I played in competitions as, as a kid and as a junior. But yeah, sorry. Yeah, open qualifying for that 17th hole or junior comps. Uh, this is from Dale John. He's a top fan. So round of applause. Thank you, Dale. Thank you, Dale. Um, see how he's getting his questions answered. He's a top fan as well. Yep. Um, 
shorts on tour. What's your view on that? Are you welcome to change or not? Again, relaxed. I'm not that fussed. I'm not a short person. No? I don't particularly like shorts unless I'm really on holiday and out in public, <laughs> like not on camera. Um, but yeah, I'm not How that... How can it be a rule that you can't wear shorts? Yeah, that is ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah, like... yeah. I'm, I'm open to it. If they want to wear shorts, they should be allowed to wear shorts. I don't believe it looks unprofessional. I don't believe, you know. And certainly stupid sock rules. Like if they're wearing shorts, wear whatever socks you want. If you, want looks, to wear, yeah. if you want to wear ankle socks, trainer socks. I, it looks better with ankle and trainer socks and it looks with longer socks. So yeah, for me, shorts should be allowed. But if I'm honest, I'm not super passionate about it. I think what would be interesting as well, if shorts were allowed and brands had a bit more flexibility in what they produced, would they make some more like athletic looking shorts? And would that then change the whole look of golfers to, to non-golfers? Yeah, that's true. Um, this is another from another top fan. Um, Mark Uekehart, I think you say that. Hi, Mark. Um, if you had to retire... Um, but you were only able to play one golf course the rest of your life. Where would it, what what course would it be and why? Mm. Somewhere with a lot of room to the left. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Somewhere with a lot of room non-stop. Yeah. I think my natural answer is Augusta because why would you not want to play that for mm-hmm. the rest of your day every life? But if it was actually, you know, let's say if it was logistical as well. Yeah. Let's say if I'm still living where I'm living, I'm retired and, you know, why would I play every day, you know? Because I'd have to still get there somewhere like um, probably somewhere like a Royal Lytham. Because that's like on a, maybe Royal Birkdale or Hillside. It's like an, I'm, I'm going to go Royal Birkdale. It's narrow away from my house. It's amazing condition all year round, and it's an open venue. If it was global and there was no restrictions on logistics, then obviously somewhere like Huggleston. Slight. This is my own question now. And it's a, a predicament I'm in at the minute. What would you, if, if you were a member of a golf club, which I know you've got, you're not, and obviously you've got a lot of time that you want to spend with your family. But let's say you've got some more free time, you join a golf club. Would you rather be a member of a golf club that's like an eight, nine out of ten conditions, are really nice, but the clubhouse is a three? Or would you rather be a member of a six golf course with the clubhouse is an eight, nine? And when you say clubhouse at eight, nine out of 10, like fresh, got nice TVs, like a nice atmosphere, you know, a bit more relaxed. So the kind of place where you could go on your laptop in your jeans and your trainers and do a bit of work. Yeah, that, that's that's a big pull for me. I'd rather have to a better course. Correct. Yeah. That's why I probably like country clubs better than I like traditional golf With a clubs. hotel attached. Yeah. So when we go and film at the Marriott or we go and film at the Mia. That type of vibe, I love. Yeah. The vibe that you can actually, not that I'm actually not the biggest fan of this, but you know, you can wear your hat inside if you want to. Now, I'm personally not the biggest fan. I actually traditionally like to take my hat off. It's just, I don't know, you know, when certainly when I'm in a clubhouse golf environment, if I'm around shopping, I'll keep my cap on or whatever. It's not an inside rule. But I like the fact you can wear trainers or you can wear jeans or you can be on your mobile phone or your laptop. They're the type of place I'd prefer. So um, that's a great question. Um, because I'm in a similar the other situation side, at the moment myself now. I'm a member of a golf club, I'm not going to name it. Course, you've been course is pretty solid clubhouse is quite old. it's well ran but it's quite old inside not much room but the old golf cl- golf club i was a member at for basically all my life was an all right course but much better clubhouse you can go watch the football on a weekend you feel a lot more relaxed and i feel i want that now as i'm getting yeah. a bit older i'm not bothered at the course being amazing i want to just go and have a laugh and chill out yeah it's a really good question i mean obviously a blender both would be ideal but yeah. if you had to pick one or the other i'm more of me is as long as the golf course not is not horrendous that would be the one for me as yeah, long as yeah, it's, it's not like horrendous it still have to be in nice condition but let's go nice condition amazing clubhouse or amazing golf course nice clubhouse i'd go oh god 
I don't know. As much as I do love the idea of having this relaxed clubhouse, I think I'd still go for the golf course. course. Yes, I do. I suppose it's what you're after. As I what, think Archfield's yeah. got the both. Archfield up in Scotland. Yeah, nice that's, a lot. that's got both. Yeah, and, and like the Belfry. Yes. That's that's another one where the golf course is amazing at the Brabazon. And then Centurion uh, Club, where we played earlier this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, that, was, that was uber modern. That was so really modern. like... You almost look wrong if you had your hat off in the clubhouse. Yeah. It should be on backwards and your shirt untucked. Yeah. Like, there was a dress code. But then St. George's Hill, where we've been a few times, I know you've not had the opportunity to get on the golf course yeah. yet, but the golf courses are phenomenal. And to be fair, that's almost that blend of yeah. still being... It's still a bit old Super old-fashioned, but just an air... You don't feel too bad no. with your mobile phone in the clubhouse. No, that's true. And Wentworth. Wentworth is mega relaxed, but then that's ridiculously expensive. I think that's the thing. I know, it's again, you're not in this position, but if you are looking at joining a golf club, you want everything practice facilities as well. It's another big one. A lot of courses, it seems to be overlooked, and I don't know how... Maybe they find it's not beneficial for them to have great practice facilities. People don't want it. Members are more bothered about the price of the pint or whatever it might be. But... It, it's a pull for me. You've got a good practice ground. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Um, let's go one more question, Guy. I'm trying to find a good one. That's why I'm talking then. I, just, I didn't really care about your answer to that. I was oh, looking great. for a better question. Thanks, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm <laughs> joking. There'll be plenty of top fans. Um, this, is quite a, this is quite a strange one, but I think I quite like it. It's from Brett Allen. I use offset game improvement irons. I want to buy a gap wedge. Does it need to be offset as well? Hmm. Well, with wedges, the way that they're designed and the way that loft is presented at contact, wedges often go more left than right. So that's why a lot of golfers will pull their wedges as opposed to pushing them. So with with offset of wedge, because offset is designed to help you not hit the ball quite as far right. So you might have offset irons, might even back in the day, offset drivers were super popular. But with wedges, it's not as vital because, again, you want a bit of versatility in your wedges. You might want to open it up. You might want to play it higher in loft. And as soon as you start to bring in quite an ugly offset, it's actually much easier to shank. So you're better off going for more of a standard straight-laced lob wedge look, i.e. not to offset, because I think it needs to be more versatile. And as I mentioned, wedges, because there's more loft, will often be prone to be pulled a bit more. If you go offset, it could even go further left. You know what I like about that question, actually, on reflection, I think it's brought an even deeper kind of topic to it, is that if you are using offset game improvement irons, the chances are they're going to be very, very strong in loft. So so Brett, I don't know what irons he's got. I'm guessing his pitch wedge is going to be probably... Like 42. Yeah, well, I was going to say 44 or stronger, but yeah, 42. If he then has a, a sand iron that he's... It's at 56. He's got a lot of gap yeah, in there. Like and I almost feel like... 14 degrees. Exactly. And, and wood, I'm not suggesting that that, that consumer kind of wood, but if that golfer walked into a retailer for a set of those irons, I feel like the custom fitter would naturally be, be looking at the top end of the bag, looking at what hybrids they might need to, to match the set. But that bottom end of the bag might get overlooked quite easily. And there's actually a lot of lot of loft that it needs covering. Yeah, exactly. Because every loft typically will equate to around about three yards. So if you've got 14 degrees of loft between two clubs, what's that like? 30 yards. Yeah. That's ridiculous. 30, more than that. So, yeah, definitely worth looking at that side of the bag. Guys, 
Thanks so much for listening to the Rick Shields podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. If you have, make sure you subscribe. Leave us a review on um, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure you tell a friend. Uh, make sure you share it around if you can. I've been loving the people who've been snapshotting the um, podcast and putting it on their Instagram stories. I've been sharing those out or taking a picture when they're listening to it in the car, and it's really exciting. I've got one, Rick. Why don't we ask people to share a snapshot on their Instagram story or on Facebook or Twitter, Twitter, whatever it might be, and why don't you follow five people that do that? Deal. Let's do it. There you go. So if you share it around in the next week, I will follow five of you at random. Guys, thanks for watching. Uh, next week, I will, I'm actually uh, on a family vacation, so I'll either do the podcast on my own or we'll pre-record one, but there will be one next week as well. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Again, every Monday you'll hear your new podcast. Thanks for listening. That's out from me and Guy. See you later. Podcast. Have a great day, everyone. <laughs>